You're listening to Brave New Words. I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and you're, we're here with... I'm Ross. Uh, it's just the pair of us for this show. Uh, let's see. Dell's making a movie. Producer Earl is on the stage directing. Sai's preparing to be on the theatre. Ninfa's organising yet another interactive theatre experience. Why are we a book show again? Win. Yeah, we could do plays. Oh, we sort of do. Anywho, um, coming up next, a jingle. Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9pm till 11pm. Exclusive to Fab Radio International. That's a nice jingle. The jingles are good. We have had a few comments past. It's like, Ed, why, why is it always... Why are there always Starburst jingles on your show and not many Brave New Words jim- jingles on the Starburst show? We don't know. But you should listen to the Starburst podcast. It is lovely. But you should also listen to our show first and you can catch us on social media at Radio Bookworm. If you're listening to the show and you have Twitter, please tweet us and just tell us that you're having fun. Or if you're not having fun, then you know tell us that as well and why you're still listening. Uh, anywho, or you can also find us on Facebook on the Super Secret Brave New Words Book Club. Um, and I'm faffing with my Kindle desperately, so I yeah, foolishly got the one with the adverts on for some reason to save myself a tenner. I don't know why. But I have in my hand a book called Generation Dex. Excellent. An unofficial history of Magic the Gathering. Ah. So, um, we should explain first what Magic the Gathering is in case you don't know what it is. It's a card game. It's a collectible card game and it's one of the first, if not the first, um, collectible interactive card game. Um, most people know Pokemon better, but yes. Pokemon came after Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering is kind of the grandfather of this style of game. The way the right, okay, so the way the game works is you collect cards, you buy a starter deck, and then you collect cards to add to your starter deck, and then you build, you custom build a set of set of cards that you hold in your hand, and then you play that against an opponent. Each one of you is a wizard, or a planeswalker as they're called. Okay. And what you do is you play cards, you summon monsters, using magic. It's called Magic the Gathering. Using magic, or you cast spells, uh, which are things like Fireball, or Channel, where you, you lose life energy and you fire, you know, you've got more mana, so you can go Channel, Fireball, and you play Channel, which takes your life away. And then fireball that allows you to turn mana into damage for your opponent, and you spend your life power to to, to burn the other person. Or, and then that person goes, "Aha!" But I've got I've got counter spell, and they play their card that says counter spell. Yep. And there's five colors. Red, big dueling game. Big dueling game. Yeah. Uh, five colors. Red is fire and monsters and volcanoes. Um, green is forests and squirrels and elves. Uh, Throwing squirrels at people is much more fun. You, the, 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 there's a thing. Uh, squirrels are squirrels. Squirrel so the game's got thousands and thousands of cards. There has to be a throwing squirrel. There's um, black, which is swamps and necromancy and zombies and rats. Um, there's white, which is paladins and heroes and hippogriffs and soldiers and desert. Um, and blue. And blue, which water. is water and magic. 
and counter so magic. magic. It's the magic of magic, though. Oh, okay. So it's like countering magic and moving magic around, and mermen and leviathan and this sort of thing. Right. So they've got all this kind of, and it's a huge game. And every year, two like uh, different waves come out with lots and lots of cards, and there are billions of cards, mm. and it is made millions. Yeah. And it's a huge phenomenon. There are common cards, and there are rare cards, and there's yeah, and there's, as you say, you're building a deck, and you're buying as many cards as you need to get that deck. You and there's yeah, there's all the places to trade online, and there's ways of trading and building your cards and designing your cards, custom building your cards. And obviously, if you've got a bunch of friends who play, they will play in a very specific way. So you'll build your deck so you can play against them. And then when you go and play against strangers, they'll have a different set of cards. And there are lots and lots and lots of cards, and they've all come out over over the years. Um, so what Generation Decks does is it tries Ooh, book, to book. It, what Generation Decks the, the book does is it tries to give you an overview as to the history. Right. So it starts off uh, twenty four odd years ago. With a chap at time of recording, uh, at time of recording, a chap called uh, it's two thousand and seventeen. It was twenty four years ago then. Um, called Richard Garfield. And Richard Garfield is a PhD mathematician nerd who likes playing card games. He likes games. He likes playing games as his hobby sort of thing. When you're chatting away to him, you're like, "I've invented this game. Do you want to play it?" Uh, and you know he would just create games, make up games. To, to play to, yep. to entertain himself and his friends it's fun and he created this game called Robo Rally which is this world famous no it's not Robo Rally is a board game it's still in print it's relatively well known but it's not world beating no and it's Robo Rally is this fun little board game that he's created and it's essentially you program robots and they're on a race and robots race each other and they're in a it's, it's robot wars with a finish line it's robot wars with a finish line that's exactly what it is yeah. it's you, 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 you have a hand of cards that you put your program down for your robot and then you don't know if that program's going to work because another robot might smash into you knock you into a piss or it might fire its laser at you twice and you might explode or you might knock you sideways so you instead of going onto the finish line you go on to a giant rotating spinny mashy thing and so on so it's a game of frantic kind of card programming and using it uses very we played this game recently it's programming language yes. essentially that's what a robot rally is yeah. and he created this game with his kind of pure blue cool mathematical mind who's like I've created this fun game which is about programming yep and he turns around to a a neophyte games company which called Wizards of the Ghost who hadn't at that point produced their first product but they'd had experience they'd worked with a company called White Wolf who produced games um, I'm kind of bothering them reading the book telling the history of magic but anyway um, he turns around to these guys and he goes "Like you, you know what you're doing with games production this is going to be for the time a fairly expensive game we laugh now because games are so, board games are so complicated because of the internet and because of uh, crowdfunding and because of the, the way that you can source resources yeah. but 20 years ago only 20 years ago it was quite difficult just to make uh, board games are complicated things Yeah, require a lot of so they were like oh it's a bit too complicated what we want is we want a quick fire card game that can be played half an hour whilst people set up to play D&D or Warhammer or whatever they fancy mm. playing we want something that's quick and fun that we can play and he's like actually I've got this game called The Five Magics um, and I've, I've come up with a novel way actually of making it because it was a set of it was a set of set cards. Mm. And so I've come out of uh, like a way of making it a collectible game. This was 
novel at the time. This, so yeah. this was one of the reasons it made a lot of money was because it was brand new and it was it, it was a new shiny idea. Mm. And people, when it came out, people. Anyway, town. I mean, there'd been collectible sticker albums and things before that, but this was a game which used. Yes, exactly. So he was like, well, "We could do this. We could do this as a collectible game." And he came up with the idea, pitched it as an idea, and then had these little alpha decks around the university. And people traded between because they couldn't buy them. They just traded. They just traded right. the games between each other, and they were still in this mindset of it's going to be a a set game. Hmm. So the game almost never happened. This is the first thing we learned. It almost never happened because the first product, product that Wizards of Course produced um, stepped on the toes of someone who is a bit litigious, and they decided to be very litigious. Unsurprisingly, right. I'm not going to name names, but mm. uh, you know, if you know games, you can guess. Because um, it's mentioned in the book, Titus, Titus Chalk, who wrote Generation Dex, tells you who it is and explains the situation. They almost get blown up at the last minute, but they they, they, they power through. Mm. And what Generation Dex is as a book is it's a story of a company and a business and an idea. And one of the stories is the the um, Richard Adkinson, who's the guy who runs the business side of things. So Richard Garfield designed the game, and they're still be testing the game, alpha testing the game. And people are wandering around playing the game, and the game is like mad, like addictive in the campus, university campus. People really want to play this game, right. and they've got something, and they know they've got something. One of the assumptions they make at the very start is that they assume that people aren't going to want lots of cards; they're just going to buy a starter deck, and then maybe trade cards between each other, right? And maybe get another starter deck, and then maybe buy one or two boosters. We'll have like a small box of boosters. Mm. But you know, just so you can like fine tune your deck. But you don't want to buy loads of boosters because you know, it's a it's a it's a game. It's an investment, and to play, everyone has to buy their own deck to begin with. And some people yeah. are going to object to that because you know, you, yeah, it's it's seven dollars. You know, that's an investment. <laughs> yeah, board games cost seventy seventy to one hundred and forty dollars these days. But anyway, so um, that's quite an investment, and the, 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 that's their mindset. And this guy, in, uh, in fairness, when I bought a set of magic, that was probably my. <laughs> My thought on it because I was thirteen or whatever. Exactly, and that's the, the you know they had that, and that was the right mindset to have. Yeah, at the time, um, and then this, they they take it to Gen Con, and they don't have enough product, and they don't have enough product, and they don't have enough product, and as soon as they get the product appears, it sells out instantly because they don't realise how popular it is. And at the very start, the guy's got the product in the back of his car, and he's discovering one of two things: either the shops aren't running it and don't like it and don't know what it is and it's not selling or someone's opened a, pot, uh, a deck someone else has opened a deck and everyone in the shops become addicted and <laughs> the guy who's running the business um, this is I'll, I'll go back the guy who's running the business is driving to the ones that haven't opened the boxes playing the game and starting the fire and then moving on and doing this kind <laughs> of mini tier um, so so all of these games are, are kind of happening um, just before then he was working for Boeing Right. And, and it's almost like it's all, the way Titus Chalk tells the tale because he tells a very long tale in a very kind of chatty and friendly manner um, there's this wonderful moment where the janitor says you're working nights on this other product on this other thing that isn't work um, here's some of my savings I want to invest <laughs> that sentence was ending in a different place than I expected it to I want to invest and when yeah. he leaves Boeing his boss is like good luck I've also invested <laughs> um, that's and, awesome and off he goes with with his and later on 
when um, when they get bought out by Hasbro because of Pokemon, which is like years later, they're having this big meeting and like yeah, this, this very kind of well dressed, very sorted out turns out to be the Janice because she's just like yeah, my, my family thought I was crazy and I was right, sold them. So <laughs> she doesn't quite say that, but you know it's mm. like kind of I was right and I, I knew a good thing when I saw it. Um, but what text Chalk also does is he talks about himself. So he talks about being a kid, living in England, family has to move to New Zealand, he loses all of his friends, he's a nerdy kid. Right. Um, and then he's in New Zealand and they're playing Magic the Gathering because it's yeah. just hit New Zealand when he, when he flies mm. over. Um, and he finds it as an escape. He's He's got that way of making friends. And he talks about whilst growing up, because of his family situation, he ends up moving around a few times and there's always magic mm. and there's always store tournaments or he's playing with his sister or you know he's playing with friends he's always got this kind of this opening ability and then after a while you know his life get, becomes more stable he puts again to one side he goes and does something else for a while and then he suddenly finds himself with a disposable income again and pow, he's he's playing the game again, and it's just a way into friends. And he uses his own personal story as a kind of backdrop. Yeah. So he can also then talk about um, the, the game itself. So uh, Magic the Gathering expands and expands and expands. And the way he tells the story, and I don't know how close this is to the truth, but they veer from near disaster to near disaster. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's lots of, like the game itself, where there's lots of tiny decisions that you can make that mean make sure that you'll lose. There's lots of tiny decisions that they make that aren't right. Mm. And then they're just like, oh, so at one point they were going to change the, uh, one of the things of Magic is there's so many different expansions, so you can put so many different cards um, from different decks. And on the front of the card, the, fa- the face of the card, you can work out which sets they're from. So you can, if yeah. you want to organise them into different sets, you can. But if you don't, you just can just shuffle them together because they're all compatible with each other. Yeah. Apparently, the first ever expansion was going to have a different coloured back. Right. So you could tell hmm. from the person's hand what sort of cards they had. Yeah. Which is terrible for a bluffing game. Yeah. Awful idea. Hmm. Um, so. Well, it's not necessarily terrible. It depends on the game, but. Magic. Yeah, yes. In this case, yes. That would have been a bad idea. Yes. Like, no, because they know what cards you'd have. And also, it would, you know, there's only so many cards you'd limit the number of expansions. Um, so, oddly enough, they were like, they, they changed that at the last minute because of fan mm-hmm. feedback. And they kind of just went, oh, okay, we'll do it this way instead. Um, and it's full of these little tiny stories. Uh, we follow the lives of people who, uh, the, the early tournament players and how their lives were transformed, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. Right. Um, how you know the story itself, and then he also talks about internet. Titus talks about internet startups and how Magic was essentially an early pre internet internet startup. It was this kind of tech company because uh, it's tech, the, the game design was new, right. it was a new model thing. It's tech, it's technology, it's mm. carts and rather than computers. Yeah, it's okay. tech design, and they make very early mistakes and very silly mistakes. Um, just with the way they're managing people, yeah, uh, and they're like, "Hey, let's yeah, let's have fun." Let's oh, actually, too much fun, too much fun, not enough work, too much fun, uncomfortable staff issues. Oh, hang on, this isn't a, in you know, this isn't a jolly adventure in in creating games. This mm. is a business where people's livelihoods are are involved. 
And that's also the story of um, dot-coms, so the dot-com boom. That also had the thing where people who didn't really know what they were doing, like, I've got a brilliant idea, but I don't know how to run a business. Oh, no, my head's on fire, sort of, you know. <laughs> hey, when that happens. It, the situation got out of their control because they're, because they're young. Yeah. Um, and that's... And, and Titus Chalk binds this all together, you know, this one... Age turning narrative, mm. and it is. It's totally like one of those. It's one of those narratives where you're just like, oh my goodness, you know. You just keep going, and I find myself. I mean, I confession. I play magic. I've got a box of magic cards in the corner of the book nook. That I'm confession. I've given away all my magic cards. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm not a brilliant fan of the game, but personally, but I think a lot of people can't go out of it. Um, to be honest, I was never massively into it. Hmm. And then when I started being a board games journalist for Starburst magazine, the Wolf of Damage Call, um, among the many, many hats I wear for Starburst, um, I, the, the nice people from Magic, Magic the Gathering, started throwing me cards. Uh, I rolled, it's nice of them. It's very nice of me. Uh, very nice of them. At some point, fingers crossed, I'll have a large box of Modern Masters turn up um, with Modern, Modern Masters 2017, which is a, another set of cards. And I'll talk about them in the magazine at some point and so on which is why I have cards but the way I play Magic the Gathering is not the way that most people play Magic the Gathering a lot of people will go to Nerd Stars and play Friday Night Magic and do this thing uh, I think you've seen me the way I play Magic the Gathering I play Magic the Gathering in a bar with friends with several beers lots of pretzels uh, of I haven't actually seen you play Magic the Gathering we uh, should fix that we should fix that but I, I will play it with mostly I've, I've played other games with you in a bar uh, with a beer and pretzels but uh, it's that, but it's that sort of crowd where you know yeah. there's, there's there's more tattoos than there are people, and we have you yeah, know but there are bars and beer and pretzels. There's so. bars and beers and pretzels. It's, it's an idea. Oh, no, they're playing, the game. You know, they're playing the game, and it's you know it's Manchester. You know, I live in Manchester. That's not a secret. In the Fab Cap, we'll sit there, and these are pe- you know these are people who aren't your typical nerds and want to sit and play games and have fun and get very drunk, and. That's there's lots of people want to do that who aren't necessarily as nerdy and weak as we are. That's very true. But um, yes. Anyway, um, yeah, let's not pretend it's exclusive. <laughs> it's not exclusive at all. But uh, I just have some really cool friends as well. Um, but anyway, so is it any good? Yes. Is it on Solaris Books? Yes, it is. Is it out now? Almost certainly by the time we hear this podcast. Um, it's by Titus Chalk, as I keep saying. Uh, it's called Generation Dex. Titus had been working on this for a few years. You can find, I think, you can find a sample of it online, and it's got do you? I think it was originally called Do You Wear a Cape? When you right? Um, you know, is that from the promotional literature of Magic or anything? No, it's just when he's trying to explain it to someone. Okay, uh, which isn't actually in Generation Dex, but I think its original mm. title was Do You Wear a Cape? But then he changed. I think of superheroes rather than. Magic and well, wizards. wizards, wizards, magic cape. You see, yeah, but they wear robes, true or capes. Anyway, that's why it's not called that. Yeah, do you wear a robe? Come on, <laughs> but it wasn't called do you wear a cape. But if you Google that, you can find like any sample. If you go on the right, slowest, okay. you go on the slowest website, you go on Amazon, you can find like the first chapter. Mm. And he's he's really good. I want to see more from Titus Shark. It's definitely a labour of love. 
even if you aren't into card games, even if you've sat there and gone, but I don't care about Magic the Gathering, I mean, it's nerds. Or I don't care about Magic the Gathering because I don't like the exception rule system and I don't like the way it works. I've been like listening for the last 10, 15 minutes and didn't like us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if you don't care about the card game, yeah. and you, there's lots of people here, like yourself who are like, actually, I think it's a bit rubbish and you know, they have problems with the game and the way the game's set up and all the rest of it. It's a fascinating story because mm. it's a rags to riches story that affects people's lives. And this is a game, you know, this is a game that starts out as intended as a way of entertaining geeky people for half an hour and turns into a multi-million dollar tournament. People fly around the world could this playing Magic the Gathering. be turned into a movie like the social network was. Yes, it absolutely could. Right. So it's that kind of story. Okay. It's that kind of a story. You would have to rewrite it entirely. And yeah. um, if anyone's looking to do that, I'll totally write you the script. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure Titus Chart would as well, to be honest. So I'm sure lots of people would love to live, write that movie. Um, but yes. So, should we talk about some other things? Shall we do some bit news? You've got the Edge Lit lineup in front of you there. I have the Edge Lit lineup in front of me. Uh, so, if you bought the recent issue of Star Wars magazine, you already know this. But let's assume you haven't. Well, they've announced this at the week of the recording. They've announced uh, the honour and special guest lineup for the Edge Lit event, which is in July. Looks at calendar for the purposes of radio. It's um, excellent radio, Ross Walden. July 15th. <laughs> Calendar's behind me. Sorry. <laughs> It's the fact that we have a calendar full of book festivals just lying there, uh, which is not being chewed by a bunny rabbit, which is good. Um, I, think the, I, think, I, I think our listener is you know, currently you know, amazed that we are organised enough to have that calendar. It's being stared at by a bunny rabbit quite intently. At any moment now, he's going to look at his watch and run away. Anyway, um, so, so among the guests of honour, <laughs> um, we have Joanne Harris. Yay, she's lovely. She's one of my favourite writers. Andrew Michael Hurley. Cool. Uh, Stephen Baxter. Hey! Science fiction. Ken McLeod. Hey! Peter Newman. Yay! I, I really like The Malice and The Vagrant, to be honest. And he's got another one coming out soon. So I, I have a copy of The Vagrant I need to read. Uh, Jeff Noon. Hey! Manchester's, Manchester's weirdest son. Oh, God, there's a. That's a difficult contest to be top up. <laughs> oh gosh, have you, have you read this? Oh my word, I can't wait to meet Jeff Neal. I'm really looking forward to it actually. And we have a special guest of Samantha Shannon. Hey, um, it's always a good lineup. Okay, yes, it is. Yeah, um, and I don't know how many of these people will be running workshops and such on the day, but that's um, usually a thing that happens. We will be there. The, the Brave New Words crew will be will be there. We'll probably be popping up the bar. You can grab us randomly. We might be doing a show. We might not. I don't know yet. I'll have to have a word with the organisers. So we might be doing a show, which you can participate in by being there. Um, Edgelet is is essentially... It's held at the Quad in Derby, yeah, roughly July time of year. I would it's, describe... it's the non-Christmas version of Sledgelet. Which yeah. is the Christmas version of Edgelet. That's in hell. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about it before on the show, but it's essentially a industry party of which the general public is invited to. Yes. So there's plenty of book launches and there's plenty of stuff going on. And it's that um, medium, small press, and there's no such thing as the medium press, but small press to major press. So you'll have, you'll have people from Golance there and you'll have people from the other... 
yeah. other large companies, but you'll also have um, Fox Spirit and the Horror Company and all these other mm. really cool Unicorn books. You'll have all these really cool kind of cutting edge small press boot companies, and also you'll have the, the kind of the big companies, all the big so- soldier shoulders, soldiers, so- shoulders, all the big shoulders. With yeah, I don't think you're off soldiers. Yeah, you can you can rub them. They they might like it. it depends. Um, all rubbing shoulders with each other yeah and and that's fun and you know the fan and there's fans everywhere and obviously if you're in the book industry you're a fan as well yeah and it's just kind of very fun a friendly book event and if you're a word nerd it's great if you're thinking about trying to get published or thinking about writing it's great if you just like talking to authors yeah and because there'll be authors there'll be for that matter editors and agents to an extent Less, to a greater or lesser, lesser extent, anyway, they, they do have people who you know, work in the industry and who publish other people. And it has the advantage of plenty of book launches and reasonably yep. priced bar. So, not to mention, there's usually you know, glasses of wine available at the launches. Well, the book launches will have wine and and orange juice and orange juice. Um, and typically, there's there's enough there for you to get socially lubricated without it being messy. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a party, but it's not really. It's a it's fun. Mm. If you see what I mean, I've never, I've never encountered anyone to get. You know, it's not, it's not like a drunken booze fest. It's just a quiet, nice, nice, nice weekend or nice day away. It's kind of fun. And we're big fans. Um, and this year, also, they're hosting the David Gimmel Awards. They are, and also, Brave New Words will be hung over because we're at a wedding the day before <laughs> in Cardiff, which is not in Derby. Um, but that's a, that's a different story and not news um, talking of news uh, the Swab superhero novel Vicious is to be turned into a movie by Ridley Scott's production company Scott Free and the story mining sub- and supply company Vicious is the title of supplies is a different sort of superhero tale and uh, indicative of going back ash against superhero movies um, Schwab's got her, um, her Dark Shades of Magic Red London, White London, Black London those books right they're being turned into a TV series by apparently Gerard Butler's company okay uh, but I've not heard anything about the production of that we just we know that's happening as well so what we do know about V Swab is they're very good at getting their books into TV and movie deals but they're also great books so hmm. I'm looking forward to that if, I think Vicious might end up being one of those ones that's marketed as a kind of this is the you know this is the sheen of the you know the cowboy movie shade this is the this is the um, anti-western version you know, you know how we had westerns and we had anti-westerns right okay so like people keep comparing superhero movies to westerns because they want them to stop and westerns stopped eventually <laughs> um, I think that's unfair inaccurate nonsense but still um, I think Vicious is probably going to be one of that breed of forthcoming superhero movies like Logan is now where it's about or something that's other than superheroes. It's, yeah. it's about you know uh, human lives being affected by um, a world of superpowers. Um, other news? Um, let's see. Clark, Clark Award submission list has been announced. Um, let's see. Uh, this year's Clark Award judges have received 86 titles for 38 publishers. Uh, mm. and, from uh, weekend? Yeah. 
and independent authors. And they include uh, Savant by Nick Abnett, All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders, Dark Matter by Blake Kraft, and After Atlas by Emma Newman. I predict, I've said this a few times, but I predict After Atlas will do very well. Okay. I, I've never seen a more obvious Clark Ward made in a book in the nicest possible way because I adored After Atlas, but I just sat there going, This is a Clark Ward novel. Uh, I can guarantee it won't be won by Dave Hutchinson. It should be, but it won't be. You'll uh, get nominated. He'll um, be like on that list, but he won't win it. Uh, talking of talking about if people, you disagree, vote. Yeah, if you disagree, vote. Uh, same with um, the the British Science Fiction Association Awards, which are going to be at Eastercon. Um, the awards will be presented at a nominate, uh, the 68th Eastercon. Um, which this year is taking place at the Hilton Birmingham Metropoly on the 14th to the 17th of April 2017. Revenue Words will be there, be lovely to see you. Um, I will be doing a day's worth of podcasting uh, with various guests, so it'll be an unusual series of shows because it won't be your standard Revenue Words. Um, but it'll be a whole bunch of stuff. Dave Hutchinson is also on the shortlist for that one. You should vote for him if you can. Please give Dave a prize, he's really good. Uh, he's really good, he always gets nominated, isn't he? He's always on the shortlist. I always look at the shortlist and go, You're not going to win, are you, Dave? <sighs> His, but his his uh, his alternate Europe books are brilliant. They are uh, appropriate to the political world right now. They are fascinating. They are dead out on, and they are thrilling. And he should win something. Um, honestly, if he still doesn't win, I'm going to make a prize myself out of tin because uh, we don't have awards. So in the, the brave new words the brave new words awards. Oh, that, that that would be scary. We don't have awards, do we? No. Hmm. Anyway, okay. So we're going to have the, the Dave Hutchinson Award. <laughs> the Dave Hutchinson Award. Awarded to Dave Just Hutchinson. for you. <laughs> Awarded to it's Dave a prize Hutchinson. choice of winner, considering we haven't yet nominated anybody else. Actually, no, surely you have the Dave Hutchinson Award for people who, don't, who deserve to win awards but don't. And then don't get it to Dave Hutchinson. Sorry, I'm really sorry. That's awful and mean, but also kind of funny. Um... Let's. If you think we, if you can think of any other categories we should have, write in or text us at Radio Bookworm. Um, but just still, you know, just you know, during the daylight hours. Um, uh, might as well. I'm still awake. Um, <laughs> hey, insomnia. Uh, Bram Stoker Awards shortlist has also been announced. The the Horror Writers Association has announced the final ballot for the 2016 uh, Bram Stoker Awards. Uh, again, you have to be going to StokerCon, which is not on the calendar because it's in California, uh, Long Beach, California, April 29th. Uh, you can find more information on horror.org. Um, let's see what else. Ah, can Cornelia Funk to ride again? Cornelia Funk. Okay. Yes, uh, she's a, she's the person who incar. Okay, uh, has rejoined her former publisher, Chicken House, following a previous dispute. Um, she fell out with Chicken House and Little Brown uh, over reckless over editorial disagreements. Um, she's now writing sequels to um, to the the, the Mirror World series, not Mirror World series, to Dragon Rider, which is a book she wrote about twenty years ago. Okay. Um, which is all very good. Um, yes, uh, Rebellion are doing a bunch of reprints from stuff like um, One Eye Jack, which is essentially right. Okay, hang on. Let me set a scene. Set Tell a scene. us a picture. So there was a company called IPC, and they did comic books, right, in Britain. 
and they did Pulp Me Kids comic books, uh, comic anthologies like 2000 AD, like Eagle, like Warlord, okay, uh, like Starlord, even uh, Victor. Tornado. Did we review some of these a while ago? We've talked about them recently. Right, okay. Uh, we talked about Rebellion recently. Uh, and about the history of 2018 recently. But anyway, this could no, be... I mean, we've, we've reviewed some war comics, I think. But anyway. Oh, we did Commando. Commando are not IPC. Okay. They're DC Thompson. They're the same people who were responsible for the Beano. Right. Different set of kettle of fish. What happened was this. IPC mm-hmm. got bought by Egmont. Over, I think they got bought by someone else who got by, or bought by Egmont. And then you ended up with this really weird situation... Because Egmont essentially have a lot of licenses for doing Disney stuff in Europe. Right. And they had Thomas the Tank Engine, and they had, um, which isn't Disney, but they had licenses for lots of kids' comics. Yeah. And lots of kids' stuff. And then they also had 2000 AD. Right. And a huge back catalogue of 70s, 80s, and 90s um, boys' adventure comics. Right. And the, the the market had kind of drifted away from Boys Adventure Comics because the the will wasn't there, really. Mm. It wasn't so much that they weren't making profit, it was a lack of will from IPC because it was the, the lower end of the profit margin. You could make more money out of just licensing yeah. other stuff. So the, the profit margin wasn't as strong. So Egmont bought all of this stuff basically so they could have a bunch of the kids' licenses. Um, and then there was a problem because you would... People would try and get in touch with Egmont and go, "Hey, we want to do, uh, we want to license um, Judge Dredd costumes because Judge mm. Dredd is cool." And they would be like, uh, "No, because if our company gets dragged into a bad reputation, then we lose our Disney license." So no, 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 no. So Rebellion, uh, Rebellion, which is a video games company, turned around and went, "We'll buy 2080." Okay. Not, uh, not from WH Smiths. We'll buy the whole thing. So they bought that. <laughs> And then they were like, well, hang on, there's a back catalogue. There's a huge back catalogue of stuff like Mac Zero and these sort of British comics, One-Eyed Jack, and all these kind of really cool comics um, that ha- can't be reprinted because Egmont have the rights. Right. So they've spent a bunch of years essentially playing poker with Egmont because you don't want to be too keen because yeah. they'll put the prices up. You don't want to be not too keen because they'll suspect something. And they, they're both kind of... And on the other hand, there's a guy who's responsible for all this IP who's sitting there going, oh, this IP I can't sell, I can't use. But if I don't get a good price for them, I get told off. So the, 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 apparently there's this conversation where they were trying to get Misty, which is a girl's horror comic from the 70s. Yeah. Um, which, again, sold brilliantly well, but the one... Is it Bunty? Was it one of that kind of line? Or yeah, mi, mi, Misty, Misty was a... Right, so... 70s comics had, I don't remember Bundy that well but uh, 70s I know it's that kind of 70s horror comics had a, um, a like a editor yeah uh, like a fictional editor Misty was presented to you by a witch right had been burnt and um, but she was like a beautiful girl mm. I mean, she, really she was a witch she was a ghost right and you it was full of these really haunting mm. girl young lady girl focused horror strips mm. and it sold brilliantly well but it was too fiddly for the number crunches it's a short right. version it, was, it wasn't a po- it's a common mistake where people are going oh they weren't that popular no they were popular enough they just yeah. weren't they just weren't profitable, profitable enough for you to buy a yacht right and ultimately money, money talks mm. it's one of the problems with capitalism but 
<laughs> so you had all of this I've, I've gone way off on a tangent for, news, for this one news story but anyway <laughs> so they, they end up negotiating and there's this wonderful thing apparently the, 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 the way the story's been related to me is there's this moment where he goes so how do you feel about Misty shall we take that off your hands and the guy takes a long a long sip of his wine and goes what about all of Roy of the Rovers we don't want that and it's like the it's like the trading cards, where they're just yeah. trying to trying to you know negotiate. And they ended up they ended up at the end of it just going, "How much for the lot? Tell you what, hmm. it's is it going to be easier for you for us to take it off your hands?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, because it would make a nice little number on our, our quarter hmm. quarterly report." We saw this thing that we can't do much with that, that we don't intend on doing much with, and it boosts our profits by X. So yep. brilliant. Brilliant job done, pow! So they got all of these rights, and now it's up to Rebellion to sit and go through all of them and slowly but surely reprint them. Mm. Um, I was chatting away to someone recently who was like, "Well, what's what's the profit in that?" It's like, who cares? Frankly, you know, providing they make their money back on selling them, it's now back in the public domain. You can now read these stories again; they're now accessible. Mm. That's that. That should be the top. The 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 the, the top part is. You know, I'm not going to lose my house. I'm going to make a small amount of money, and also this art comes out. So, is so. this reprinting existing stories from the census, or is this new material set in those worlds? At the moment, they're reprinting the existing stories. Right. You never know. Misty might come back. That'd be amazing. Hmm. The atmosphere is right for Misty to come back. Okay. Yeah. Because there are plenty of you know. Because why shouldn't girls read horror comics? Yeah. No, definitely. And um, why shouldn't there be a comic that's marketed for women? Uh, that's read by men. Why not? Why? 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 Why shouldn't that be a thing? Well, anyway, I'm thinking I want to read it. But I do as well. Mm. But you know, there you go. But it's anywho. Uh, so new comics coming out. New comics coming out. Um, yeah. Uh, Hilary Bailey Mocock passed away earlier this earlier this year. She was eighty. Uh, she died suddenly while she was editing her sequel to Fifty First State. Um, she was married to Michael Moorcock for nine years from 1962 and they had three children together. She is survived by her ex-husband and her children and her grandchildren. Uh, Edward Byron, the Nebula Award-winning author, has also passed away after a long illness. He was 71. Um, you will probably know him from, from the Baku Tales of the Nuclear Age or Among the Dead and other events leading up to the apocalypse. He who wrote most apocalyptic stories. So, hmm... Kind of, kind of, kind of. Oh, mm. um, and a final piece of news. Sorry, so you say? Well, recent announcement because because um, I'm quite excited about this thing. This is coming out later this year. Um, as we we've mentioned the David Gemma Awards just now. The and obscure piece of knowledge about David Gemma was as a who's very well known as a fantasy author, but he also wrote a thriller called um, which was released under a pen name because. It wasn't a fantasy novel. It was published in the name Ross Harding. Uh, it was called White Knight Black Swan, and it's you know, because and it hasn't been reprinted since because it didn't do that well. Oh, got no, no, that's not it. <laughs> no, this year they've announced. First of all, they are re-releasing re this novel. So if you haven't read this modern day thriller by David Gemmell, it's being released later. It's a hardback. I think it's coming out September October sort of time. Um, but they've also discovered something else. Which is they've gone through his notes over the last te decade or so since he passed away, and they've discovered another thriller which he wrote, which was never published. 
which I was just pointing to a moment ago. Yes, which is the Roman Kings. Yes, and this one will be out, I believe, in about July. We've got it on the TV Red shelf. One of us will read it and oh, talk I'm, to you oh, about it. No, no, no. Both of us will read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading it. Uh, so yeah, so we have a lost novel, which we have two novels by this man who uh, who's been sadly de- departed a long time ago. Talking I'm quite about excited. T- yeah, no, it's very exciting when um, they're, they're re-releasing. Um, uh, the uh, no one, one of the Tolkien stories, and it's the Elvish love story as well. That's oh, right, okay. as well. Um, which has been out several times before, mm. but it's been repolished, and that's kind of exciting. Um, talking of lost things, Samuel French Theatre Bookshop is to close due to Ooh. high rents. Uh, it's a London-based bookshop. It's been in London since eighteen thirty. It's been like in various right. places in London since eighteen thirty. Um, the private company that owns the rent on their current bookshop has raised has raised it by two hundred percent because London is silly with its costs, um, and it looks like it's going to close. Um, Derek Jacobi, amongst others, is, is absolutely outraged. Um, Derek Jacobi, former former master from Doctor Who. Never mind twice. The, never mind the rest of the stuff that he's done. Um, twice. Scream the Shalker. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, what I suggest to Samuel French is move to Manchester. All the rest of us are. You know, you yeah. know London's too expensive and it's now owned by people with too much money who want to, make, to extract as much money and fun from you as possible. Move to Manchester. Yeah. Because, like, you know, everyone else involved in the creative industry has. So, you know, come join us. It's, it's nice got cookies. We've got cookies and the beer's cheaper. Um, and our breweries are still open, uh, unlike the ones in London that are closed because it's too expensive. So, yeah. That ended on a political note. <laughs> it did, didn't it? But I'm like, um Yeah, but we live in Manchester, we like bookshops. Yeah, we live in Manchester, we like bookshops. And there's bookshops, there's second hand bookshops, there's loads of second hand bookshops in Manchester because the rents are reasonable. We also uh, have Waterstones, which we have Waterstones on the outside. Yes, that's the, that, that is also a very large bookshop. Uh, there's two, actually. I was confused. Well, there's a few of them, but yeah, but they've been in the news recently because they've. They, cause oh, because they of the stealth Waterstones. Yeah, yes. This is like, I'm surrounded by books. This is not a Waterstones because there's independent bookshops that are actually, in fact, Waterstones in disguise. Da da da. Oh, I don't really care for any of the books are good and yeah. artists are being supported. I don't really mind. Um, a controversial opinion. I don't. Songs are employing people and paying wages, and you know. Yeah. I don't it's a controversial opinion, but if you disagree, at Radio Bookworm on Twitter. Um, shall we leave? I think we should remind the reader to tell all their friends and subscribe. Uh, he said in a slightly crazy way. Um, and yeah, if you've been listening, thanks for listening. And, and if uh, you haven't been listening, what? Yeah, it's <laughs> a bit strange, really. You've just been playing it. If you haven't been listening, well, we're not. You know. We, go, you can do something else now well interestingly uh, Hartley the Bunny has been doing hand signals all the way through pause so signals if, yeah pause okay uh, but he's been you know translating us to to, to anyway I'll stop that because it's nonsense shall we leave <laughs> okay thank you for listening thank you for listening bye for now bye for now